you in so-called midlife and found yourself suddenly single after probably years of marriage and you're absolutely shitting it? Maybe you're on a divorce downer and have zero idea how the fuck to move on. Or you know how to in theory, but it's just not happening. If that's you, you're in the right place. This is the Divorce Chapter podcast, where we turn the unexpected divorce plot twist into a new and improved happily ever after. I'm Sarah Elizabeth, divorce coach and mentor, and I'm with you on this mission to rewrite our stories and make this next chapter the best goddamn one yet. Hello and welcome back to the Divorce Chapter podcast with me, your host, Sarah Elizabeth. Or if you're new here, just welcome. So I had this most bizarre experience a couple of weeks ago and in a weird way because, you know, my brain works in mysterious ways, okay, people? It got me thinking about the theme of attachment for this week's episode. So story time, bizarre experience. I'd been driving a couple of hours and, you know, being 51 with the pelvic floor of an 80 year old, I needed a wee. So I stopped at the services on the M1 with the thought I might also get a cheeky Starbucks while I was there. I parked and there's this walkway bit to the entrance. And just as I crossed the car park, this child appeared about two years old, I'd say, couldn't actually tell if they were a boy or a girl, but I'm going with boy. What struck me was that there was no adult accompanying said child. Now, my social work heckles went straight up, as you can imagine. And my first concern was this child was heading straight for the fucking car park. So I kind of put myself in the child's way, who then decided to go climbing these stone things that say the name of the service station. This bloke then appeared who, shall we say, clearly from the child's ethnicity was not related to this child. Turns out he'd also tentatively followed this kid after seeing them on their own and was also worrying, but, you know, was a middle-aged white man, might be a bit anxious about befriending strange children, but, you know... Between us, though, we seem to be the only people who seemed at all concerned, concerned that this child was on their own at the edge of an M1 service station car park. I was starting to think of the parents asleep in the car, as the kid got out. There was just no adult, like no one was interested. I was going to this kid, where's your mummy? Mummy? Daddy? Then tried mama? Dada, madre, padre, run out of bloody things to say. They just looked at me blankly. The bloke went in to see if anyone was frantically, obviously looking for a kid, came out and said, no one is looking for a child. It was a good five or ten minutes and not quite knowing what to do. Thankfully, the child started to wander back in and went straight into this like arcade. Now, I've always questioned why they have arcades at service station because it makes zero bloody sense to me. But in that moment, I was just 
pleased to contain the child in a sort of safer place. I then see this woman that looked a bit like a staff member, asked her three times, are you a staff member? And she just looked at me. So the bloke went over to her to explain. She comes to me and says, is this child with you? And starts to have a go at me for there being a child in the arcade. Did you have to be over 18? I was like, holy fuck, what is going on? Thankfully for said staff member, that at that moment, the parent, carer, mother, whatever, appeared. And so the staff member turned on her. Well, I was about to piss myself after so long, bloody desperate for away. So I ran in the loo, came out, saw the man who'd obviously done exactly the same as me. Everyone else had gone. The mother, the child, the staff member. It was freaking crazy. But anyhow, I got my stubs and I moved on. But once I calmed down and sort of started thinking about it, it got me thinking about attachment. And I'm sorry for the long stories, but, you know, hopefully they entertain a bit. Because, you see, this child clearly didn't fear any sense of abandonment. They didn't seem scared by me. They weren't upset in any way, which made me think about their attachment style. As a social worker, I learned a lot about attachment and the different styles of attachment. But it was always around children and babies. I actually wrote my master's dissertation on post-adoption contact and the development of new attachments. There you go. You can sleep tonight now knowing that. So what are attachments and why am I talking on a divorce podcast about them? The whole concept of attachment started with a bloke called John Bowlby, who saw attachments as emotional bonds and said that babies are born with an innate drive to form attachments. So if a baby's need for this emotional bond is not then met, or if it is inconsistently met, the child will feel threatened and act accordingly to the response. So Bowlby, as a result of this and his observations on attachment needs not being met, developed the concept of an attachment spectrum with anxiety on one end and avoidant on the other. And those were the typical responses from children when their emotional needs were not being met or inconsistently met. This went on to be developed by someone called Mary Ainsworth, who did this experiment called The Strange Situation, in which she got a load of different families and basically set up a room with toys and a one-way glass window and went through all these kind of range of steps, which were kind of the mum and the baby were in the room alone. A stranger goes in the room. The mum leaves the baby with the stranger and the mum comes back. The stranger goes, the mum comes. But anyway, from that research, the concept of a secure base was added into that spectrum in that children first must have a secure base before being able to go off and explore. Obviously, there was a hell of a lot more to it than that. But, you know, this is a podcast and I'm just trying to give you a bit of a snapshot background to attachment, which is where these attachment styles evolved in around the 70s. So we then had secure attachment, anxious attachment and avoidant attachment. So to me, that's how I'd always thought about attachment and only really being relevant to babies and children. And 
as a social worker, how that then impacted children as a consequence of abuse. And it's only then when reading another self-development book, because, you know, I'm always going to shout out the self-development books, that I realised how bloody applicable it is to adult relationships too. Just never thought about it like it. This book is called Attached by Dr. Amir Levine and Rachel Heller. And as I say, just realising how much those attachments that form in childhood play out into adulthood and specifically our relationships. And I think this, and I do appreciate we're kind of nearly 10 minutes into the podcast already before getting to the crux of this week. But I think this is just so important, mostly for healing from the heartbreak of divorce and maybe being able to see things through the lens of attachment styles. But also for those of you who might, might be thinking about trying to date again or even maybe have started dating again. In the book Attached, they give a bit more in-depth background and how attachments are created and the impact throughout our lifespan. So how they start, but how they go on throughout our lives. And then goes into this big quiz thing to find your own attachment style, describing each one in depth. But then also another quiz, which was quite interesting for identifying the styles of the people around you. And then, I love this book, it gives a huge, huge amount of focus on what happens when different styles meet and the impact on relationships, plus how to navigate these important bits. So what do these attachments look like as adults in relationships? So I'll start with summing up secure, though, As I'll come on to in a bit, if you are listening to this podcast, this may not necessarily apply given the divorce or it may not apply to your ex at least. But nonetheless, Secure says that being warm and loving in a relationship comes easy. You take things in your stride and you don't get easily upset over relationship matters you effectively communicate your feelings and your needs to your partner. So secure attachment looks like reliable and consistent, communicates relationship issues well, not afraid of commitment or dependency. Or in this one, doesn't play games. Mm. Anyway, so then onto a biggie, or at least it feels like it might be a biggie. Anxious. The book describes an anxious attachment as, and you know what, I'm just going to acknowledge this right here and now. This has been 100% me in the past. It has been me. So anxious. The book says, you love to be very close to your romantic partners and have the capacity for great intimacy. You often fear, however, that your partner does not wish to be as close as you would like him or her to be. Relationships tend to consume a large part of your emotional energy. You tend to be very sensitive to small fluctuations in your partner's moods and actions. And although your senses are often accurate, you take your partner's behaviours too personally. 
you experience a lot of negative emotions within the relationship and get easily upset. As a result, you tend to act out and say things you later regret. Anxiously attached people express insecurity, worries about rejection, is unhappy when not in a relationship and is preoccupied with the relationship when in one. Well, fuck me, who knew these people had a camera on me in my last few relationships? Fucking hell, that is scarily accurate of how I was and probably how I ended up with a commitment phobe and then a narcissist. On narcissists, by the way, people with an anxious attachment, as I've just described, are like a fucking magnet to them. It's like they sense the vulnerabilities and they hone in, love bomb the fucking life out of them and then attack. But that, again, on Narcissist is a whole other episode, which I promise I will cover this stuff. But for the purposes of attachment and trying to keep the episodes to a manageable length, let's go on to avoidant. Now, the book describes this style as it is very important for you to maintain your independence and self-sufficiency and you often prefer autonomy to intimate relationships. I think I might have turned into this. (laughs) Anyway, moving on. Even though you do want to be close to others, you feel uncomfortable with too much closeness and tend to keep your partner at arm's length. You don't spend too much time worrying about romantic relationships or being rejected. Avoidance send mixed signals, don't they freaking just? (sighs) They devalue you or previous partners. Oh my God, how many times has that happened when they slag off their ex? Mate, it wasn't your ex, it was you. Anyway, have rigid views on relationships and uncompromising rules and don't make their intentions clear. Honestly, sounds like someone I know. Anyway, so people with an avoidant attachment style tend to end their relationships more frequently. They also get over partners very quickly. So start dating again immediately and move on straight away. I think my ex-husband has spent about two weeks on his own, if that, in 10 years, 10 and a half, nearly 11 years. But we move. It just contrasts so much with people with a secure attachment who happily settle down into lasting and committed relationships. Now, a part that I found super fascinating was around that and exactly why I suggested earlier that maybe fewer secure attachment people might be listening to a divorce podcast. Okay, they say that around 50% of the population have a secure attachment. Half. Half of the population have a secure attachment. Around 25% are avoidant and around 20% have anxious attachment with the last 5% being a mix of anxious and avoidant. That might be me. I might have fallen into the 5%. Anyway, but if 50% of the population are secure, they are more likely to be able to sustain long-term relationships, which means that in the world of fucking Tinder, they're likely to be mostly avoidant and anxious people on there. And avoidance 
don't tend to attract each other. The book says specifically for anxiously attached people, it states, when you meet someone new, the probability that they have an avoidant attachment style is high. Not only are they recycled back into the dating pool more quickly, but they are not dating one another, at least not for long. Nor are they dating secure people that much because secures are less available. Who are they meeting? That's right, you and other potential partners with an anxious attachment style. Isn't that fucking wild? It might all start to make sense on why relationships in the past haven't worked out. This book is also a great one in a kind of workbook style of going deep into this stuff and in particular what they call the anxious avoidant trap. So exactly what we just said, secures tend to stay married, avoidants don't tend to date each other and so it ends up with a lot of avoidant and anxious couples post-divorce which is not ideal at any fucking level because the last thing you need when you are healing from a divorce and the rejection issues that may come up with that and consequently or otherwise have left you in an anxious attachment style, the last thing you need is to land yourself in a further quagmire with an avoidant. And I speak from bitter fucking experience. Honestly, this book is such a fantastic one with so much insight. And I would highly recommend it if any of what we've discussed today hit something deep for you. I think the key is self-awareness, knowing your own style and working through how some of these deep-rooted behaviours may, may, just may, they may not, but may have affected your relationship. But more importantly, what you can do to start to heal through this. And just back to where we started, because you know, without prejudging a two-year-old too much, we can see that kid at the service station is going to end up doing a runner from relationships. So anything we can do to shine a light early and, you know, find ways in which we can heal ourselves from our divorce and minimise future risk is a huge fucking win in my book. Now, I guess I just wanted to mention because I feel like I've just thrown out these attachment styles and left you to get on with it. But obviously, I can't go through the whole book on trying to help you heal in one podcast episode. So what I've been thinking about, I've been thinking about this a lot as I've started this podcast and that as I do tend to shout out the self-development books because, you know, as I've said before, you get so much wisdom for less than a fucking dinner. I have decided to start the Divorce Book Club over the next couple of months, few months maybe, when I can juggle it and find home. We'll be looking at a book a month, I think a book a month, a book related to divorce, relationships or healing. And I'd set it up as a private podcast, probably for about a tenner a month and deliver a podcast per chapter of whatever book we collectively choose, throwing in my own insights and my own experiences and probably some more stories too. So if this is something that sounds of interest to you, please do drop me a DM on social media or email me. If you want to email me, my email address is Sarah with an H 
at the blossomlifecoach.com. That's Sarah at the blossomlifecoach.com. Because I've yet to set up an email and website for the Plans Book Club. I'd love it if you got in touch and let me know your thoughts because honestly to me, books are fan bloody tastic for healing, growing, positively fucking thriving through divorce. And I'd love you on that journey with me. So do let me know what you think. In the meantime, I have also left a link for the attached book if you do want to go a bit deeper before the Divorce Book Club starts. But I do think this will definitely be one for the list early doors. So until then, or until next time, thank you as always for listening. I still would appreciate it so much if you can share, like, review. I know the reviews can feel a bit hard, but if you scroll down on the podcast underneath the divorce chapter, underneath the episodes, there should be somewhere to leave a review, rate, share with your friends, share on social media, do all that you can. I'd love, 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 love it if you could carry on helping me grow and get to the people that need it. So thank you again. Have a fantastic week with loads and loads and loads of love for me. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this episode of the Divorce Chapter Podcast. If you've enjoyed the episode, please could you do your girl a solid and rate and review the podcast. Wherever you listen, there should be an option to rate and review. And honestly, I can't tell you just how much it helps the podcast algorithm thingamajigs, whatever. And bonus love for me if you share the episode with your friends and on your socials and tag me in it at the divorce chapter. Thank you again so very, very much. I appreciate every single one of you beautiful humans. Have an amazing day.